0: Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best
1: lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited about this podcast. I just interviewed an extremely impressive and talented young man named Nicholas Cole. Uh, Nicholas, or Cole as his friends call him, is a, a writer. He's an entrepreneur. He's actually a retired pro gamer. He's a, He used to be a nationally ranked World of Warcraft player. And uh, I, I found him online through... I'm a contributor to a pretty popular online publication on Medium called The Ascent, and I found some of Cole's writing on the ascent, and then I just kind of started reading more and more of his work, and I got to learn a little bit more about his story. and And I had to ha- had to have him on the on the podcast. He is just extremely insightful, and I think I already said it, but I think the best word to describe Cole is just impressive. Um, the way he kind of carries himself and the way he articulates his thoughts and the wealth of experience that he has as such a young entrepreneur, uh, I found to be incredibly inspiring as well. It's it's really clear that he's not taking any shortcuts and that he's he's putting in the work and he's doing what he's got to do. And I have uh, nothing, nothing but the highest regard for him and his company. And I know that he's going to be a huge success in the future. So I know you're going to enjoy this podcast. We had a really, really great conversation. I loved every second of it. So please help me welcome Nicholas Cole. All right, Nicholas Cole. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, man.
1: Great. So um, I, I kind of wanted to start in a, a little bit different of an area that we're probably going to spend most of this conversation. Obviously, you, you have a, a ton of content online and you're, you're pretty kind of public about your story, but I have recently become fascinated with the esports community with the esports market i've never been quite the gamer that you are um you know i'm 32 and i admit to say that i play starcraft pretty regularly so i'm a big blizzard guy (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah but uh but um the uh, aside from like the actual business of esports and and the community behind it i i just i couldn 't get over the transition from you being like a full time I think you even said you were a nationally ranked World of warcraft player and like so i 'm dying to hear kind of how your experience uh, with World of Warcraft kind of shaped you in your younger years and and how you kind of got out of that because from what i 've read and what i 've talked to some of these other gamers that i 've been working with recently is actually a, a pretty Tough lifestyle, like uh, 18 hours a day playing games for a couple of years, kind of wears on you. So, like, I'm I'm really really interested to hear about that part of your life.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, well, to answer your question directly, it it was everything. I look back on those early experiences as the foundation for everything I did since then. You know, gaming influenced the way I approached fitness and bodybuilding. After it, it influenced the way that I approached writing and even the fact that I wanted my first book to be about gaming, you know, it, it influenced how I treat entrepreneurship. It influenced, I even talk about this, um, more so like inside my company now, but, uh, digital press, the company I started about a year and a half ago is a remote company. And my experiences as a gamer, if you think about how, you know, an MMORPG works, (laughs) it's all, it's all, Relationships from afar, you know your entire guild is remote essentially uh, and though in, in in very i don't know almost like underlying and subconscious ways, I learned a lot about how to interact with people over the internet as a as a teenager and and I didn't really realize the value of those skills until I started a remote company, and you know our slack channel operates kind of like a guild chat did I mean. For those that don't know, the the, the team that built Slack uh, originally built a an MMORPG. They built, you know, on this massive game that just never got any traction, and they basically took took out a small part of their game, which was this ability to message other people, and essentially after, you know, all but abandoning this gaming project, they took out the chat function and then ended up Reskinning it, rebranding it, and launching it as this now you know very business oriented uh, team you know team collaboration sort of vehicle for people in the business world today or, or of all companies really, and I find that story so fascinating because I relate to that in such a different way. I relate to that as the kid who spent time in guilds and built relationships with people across the country through my computer as a teenager and so, yeah, I mean, just in terms of that first question, I I talk a lot about how, for me as a kid, gaming influenced many of the lessons that at the time, I think even myself, but especially the people around me, really questioned and wondered, you know, if, if I'm spending that many hours in front of my computer, is it really going to ladder up to anything? I can't tell you how many times my parents, I don't blame them for it because this was over 10 years ago, right? The world was very different, but they, they used to always say, um, it's not like you're ever going to get a job sitting in front of your computer all day. And now that's, <laughs> that's all I do. That's all most of us do. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's just, yeah, it was a lot of little, little things that for whatever reason at the time, I think it was really just my curiosity. I was just fascinated by not just video games, but the internet. And you could say too that my early experiences as a gaming blogger are what influenced the work that I do now with executives. You know, basically I've, I've built this whole career around saying, look, when it comes to sharing what you know on the internet, I'm your guy. I know what people want to read. I know where that content needs to be distributed. I know how to write it in a way that's very fast paced so that it doesn't matter what subject matter you're talking about. People are going to give you the minute or two minutes or three minutes to read it. Um, All of those strategies, all of those things that I now deploy with, you know, the the thought leaders and influential minds of pretty much every industry. These all came from things that I was learning 10, 11 years ago as a gaming blogger. And I was just trying to get people to read my, read my blogs back when blogging wasn't a thing, you know? So like, I I have just example after example of how many how many skills I didn't realize I was acquiring at the time that now I'm seeing come to fruition in in very different ways in terms of the second part of your question. Yeah. Gaming will definitely take a toll on you. And I think, you know, just for context, when I was competitively playing world of Warcraft, I was part of that first group of people, uh, first group of gamers that really pioneered the the esports world that we know today mm. you know i i played alongside and against a lot of the in the world of warcraft uh space a lot of those players are now the ones today that have the massive youtube channels sure. or they're the ones that are um acting as the commentators at these live events like a number of those those people that are very very prominent faces in the esports e- world today I played with and against them 10, 11 years ago. There's only like a handful that are still left. Um, But when we were first starting, you know, I was, I was 17 at the time and it wasn't, there was no money in the, in the, in that aspect of the gaming world. There, no, nobody was throwing official tournaments, you know, Blizzard Entertainment was just starting to maybe talk about hosting a, you know, like a grand finals or grand championship or something, but none of it really existed. All of the tournaments and all of the ways that we competed against each other was like, it was player based. A lot of these players would, um, you know, like older ones that were a little bit more business savvy or had careers outside of playing video games. Like I was a kid, um, older ones, you know, might go out and maybe follow, uh, uh, you know, a networking chain and get a hold of someone from, uh, from like AMD or, uh, a gaming company or a Mm -hmm. graphics card company or, you know, Dell or whatever and say, Hey, we're going to throw an online tournament. I think that we can get, you know, 10,000 people to all tune in and watch, um, us play or watch the recaps. Do you want to sponsor it? We'll put your logo in the lower right-hand corner. Like a lot of those early things were all created by players. It wasn't big brands, Stepping in and saying, "Hey, we're going to sponsor this." Um, wow! It was it was it was players leading the way, and it was it was kids like me and the and the, the rest of us that we didn't we didn't know what sponsorships were. We didn't know what it meant to make a living playing video games. We just wanted to compete against each other because we were so competitive, and we wanted to prove that we were better than the next person. So I think it's it's fascinating to have seen how the whole thing has developed because in a lot of ways, I think this is what we all hoped for this was why we stayed up until you know three or four in the morning organizing our own tournaments and finding ways to prove that you know our squad was better than the next person's squad it was all it was all for uh for you know online (laughs) quote-unquote like street credibility it was all for bragging rights it wasn't for money um but then right around when i I was just I was just burnt out, you know. I had been playing yeah. really competitively for a long time. Um, all four years of high school to me were devoted to that game. <laughs> it was not to my grades, it was not to any hobbies, it was I stopped playing hockey because of an injury. Everything that I did was focused around that game. And by the time I started college, I was just burned out. I had proved that I was, you know, I was one of the best mages to play and the game it. I was, you know, I did what I wanted to do and then I was ready to move on. And I remember for years after that, I looked back on that and there were a lot of moments where I, where I really questioned that and I almost regretted it because I started to see all these players that I played, played with start, you know, that was right as uh, YouTubing was starting to become a thing and YouTubers were making, you know, really, really great money, like uploading videos and gaming has always been a huge niche in that. You know, so I started to see people that I knew doing that, and I started to see social media take over. This was like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, you know, and then I started to like hear rumblings about bigger tournaments, and I started to see that Blizzard was throwing like bigger and bigger tournaments. Like I knew where it was all heading. Yeah. And I and I really started to question in myself, like, did I did I give up right as as all of this was taking off? Because I was in that position. You know, I look at um What's his name? The guy who's just on the the cover for uh, of ESPN. for oh, Ninja. Uh, Yeah, Ninja is like I I look at stuff like that and I'm <laughs> I remember being a kid going that's what I want that's mm-hmm. my dream you know and but to be perfectly honest like where I'm sitting now I look back at that and I I still think that if I had stuck with it and if I had pursued it I, I think I probably would have experienced. Some element of the esports world that we see today, which yeah. would have been you know great in one aspect, but I went on to experience so many other things. You know, I got into bodybuilding. I got way more into nurturing my love for writing. I started a company. I I did I did things that I don't regret it. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating to see where it's at now. Sorry, that was a very very long winded.
1: It's answer. fine, man. I, I'm I'm glad that you went off on it a little bit because. You know, the reason why I wanted to reach out to you and get you on this podcast is because I could tell even from afar that you and I have a whole lot in common. Um, I wasn't a gamer as a kid, but I was a, a really, really serious skateboarder. And I see the two kind of communities as always being really similar because um, w- when I was younger, like all of my high school was skateboarding. It's, it's all I did. I'd, I'd come home most of the time I leave school early, throw my bag in the corner, grab my board, and then I would just be out all night. So it was, it was my life. And skating at the time was this kind of underground, you know, little closet community where it was still really looked at as the troublemakers, you know, and I'm sure there's some validity behind that. But at the same time, we were just kids like trying to do what, what we really love to do. And then, uh, over the last 15 years, you know, when Rob Deerdick came along um, and kind of took skateboarding from this thing that was only in skate parks into like street skating was legitimate now. And, you know, there was like brands behind it and there was gear and there was merchandise and there was personalities. Um, and then the whole thing really exploded. So like, I've always kind of seen those two. Communities or markets, or whatever you want to call it, being really similar to each other, where it started off as like this little pocket thing where it was just kids kind of figuring out how to do it so that just because they really love doing it. And then finally, it turned legitimate. And now, I mean, it, it blows my mind that, I mean, what, it was like 40 million people watched that um, League of Legends tournament or something like that. It's it's just really, really unheard of. And I, and I think with esports, um, I'm just really fascinated by it right now, and so I, w- I was kind of excited to to hear you go off on on you know your experience for it. But I, I really, really feel like it's still at the point where most people don't take it seriously and they kind of make fun of it. And over the next ten years, like it's all anybody's really going to care about. <laughs> I really there,
0: there are so many. I mean, the skateboarding example is a perfect one too. There are so many just markets businesses, um, hobbies, interests. There are so many examples of that where these things come out of nowhere. And like one of the things that I've always paid attention to, I think this is, I didn't know that it was called entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Like I I didn't, honestly, I didn't grow up surrounded by really anybody that was an entrepreneur. I I grew up in a, in a really wealthy suburb um, outside Chicago um, that it was a lot of very successful people, but it was, it was success in like a very formal sort of way. You know, it was like lawyers, surgeons, bankers, traders, you know, like very, like you start here, you climb the ladder, it's linear and these are the people at the top and for me i never i never did very well in that environment i didn't i didn't fit in at school i didn't know how to do well you know on tests i always felt like none of those paths resonated with me and it wasn't until i got much older that i learned that the way that i tend to think about things and the things that i pay attention to is in essence like it is entrepreneurship it is this idea of looking for opportunities and asking yourself and where everyone else sees like ambiguity or, or questions or fear or
1: mm-hmm.
0: not wanting to step into it, my I, that's just who I am. My reaction to it isn't fear, it's interest. And I want to follow it. And I remember that feeling so clearly when I was a teenager and I first, I mean, even younger, right? But like getting introduced to the internet. And then, and then being into console games and like playing Xbox Live, and I and I thought the the concept of playing with and against people that you didn't even know you'd never met, you just heard them in a headset. I thought was fascinating.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, and then playing my first, you know, massive uh, online multiplayer game, you know, World of Warcraft, and then and then taking and games like that. What people don't realize is that that like playing a game like World of Warcraft or EverQuest or something where you're really invested in your character and you build long-term relationships with people that gives you. And at the time that gave me such a different um, perspective of what the internet was all about, because the internet for me wasn't, wasn't like, like for my, my dad, right. My dad was, would use the internet as, Hey, I have an email address. This is how I communicate like, and send messages for work. You know, like that was pretty much the extent of what he saw the internet as 10 years ago. Um, or emails between family members, you know, or like spam. Yeah. But other, other than that, the internet was, was kind of like a window to him and to a lot of other people. You could like look through it, but you didn't really know fully what to do with it. For me and for, for gamers who have always really pushed the boundary, side note, you could even look at what's happening now with like cryptocurrencies. Well, there's a lot of people that are mind blown by the concept of cryptocurrencies. And here I was playing on auction houses, you know, trading gold 11 years ago. And that was a cryptocurrency Yep, is the gold in a video game operates the same way. It's a currency and it's digital. And it ended up crossing over into the real world where you could literally spend, you know, U.S. dollars and buy gold in the world of Warcraft and vice versa. So. I've always seen and known that gaming is one of those few industries that is constantly pushing tech forward and not even just like tech for tech's sake, but tech as it relates to society. And so when, when I spent all that time playing world of Warcraft, I didn't, the internet to me wasn't a window. It was a door. I actually, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like I don't know everything. No, I from- get it.
1: You went deep. You were like, yeah. It,
0: it, it sounds like cliche and cheesy, and yet and weird. But like, I didn't just like see the internet or look at the internet. I lived in the internet. Mm-hmm. My my online identity meant more to me than you know Cole, who showed up to high school. I didn't care what my grades were. I didn't care if you know I went to the school dance or not. But I cared a lot about whether or not. You know, I was the highest ranked you know three v three player on the server, and when you spend that much time in it, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately is then you take that you know ten steps further, and what I learned at a really young age is that what you, how you present yourself on the internet is one of the few things in life that you have a hundred percent control over. I dictate what it is the person on the other. Side of the screen sees. If I show you a picture of X, you see me as X. If I show you a picture of Y, you see me as Y. If I write something and I write it in a certain way that insinuates X, you perceive it as X. And I realized how much control I had over perception. And for me, I think even saying that, that can feel really daunting, like almost Mm -hmm. like manipulation. But how I saw that was creativity. I saw that I was this really awkward, you know like socially awkward, nervous, anxiety-ridden kid. And all I wanted to do was be anything but that. And I think that's why I gravitated to a game like World of Warcraft. But then I took it a step further and was like, well, not only can I create my character in the game, I can create my persona online. And I can, I can write in a way where people will see me as not the, not the nervous, shy kid, but as like a voice. And then, and then that tapped into, and then I was like, Oh my gosh, like I love to write and I love expressing myself this way. And all of these things started compounding on each other to the point where now 10 years later, you know, I'm meeting with, you know, executives of, you know, fortune 500 companies. And I'm like, look, the way you're presenting yourself on LinkedIn makes me think that either, you know, you don't own a computer or you just don't take your career very seriously. And, and they don't kind of like a lot of, they don't get that right away. And then you have to point out, you know, hey, like you don't have a profile picture. What I think on the other side of the screen is that you're a bot. That's my perception. Mm-hmm. So you want to change that perception? And, and then they go, well, here, I'm going to upload this like half blurry profile picture from three years ago. I'm like, okay, now that makes me think that you, you know, your company is not doing very well. You don't have the money. And if you do, you don't want to invest it in your brand, which makes me think that you don't take yourself or your work very seriously. And then they're like, wow, that's not the message I'm trying to convey. And then I go, right, so let's change that. And all of these skills, they just like they're things that I don't think people fully fully realize yet. They talk about them in these like very vague marketing terms. But the reality is if you've spent a lot of time playing the game of the internet, you realize how much control you have over perception. And then if you take that really like one final step further, I think that people still don't realize that it's not just business people that this relates to or celebrities or models or you know musicians or artists or whoever. It's It's all of us. It is the fact that if I go look up, say I go down the street and I meet someone at a coffee shop today.
1: Yeah, what's the first thing you're going to do, right? What's the
0: first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and be like, hey, I got to add you on Facebook or Instagram if we had a good conversation, right? And if I add you and you have like three photos, none of which like reveal your face and you have like a really cryptic, you know, like about section on your profile page, all of a sudden I'm going to be like, man, like that's so weird. We had such a great conversation. Like now this person's coming off as a total creep. And and that disconnect, people don't realize that. Regardless, it doesn't matter if you're like if you're being intentional about it or unintentional about it. How you present yourself online sends a message. Period. So you can either be intentional with it, and you can do. And you can you can. It's almost like tapping into your own creativity, your own self-expression. You can mm-hmm. either intentionally choose how you want to express yourself so that. I mean, at a base level, so that the real you and the digital you align, right? And a lot of people don't do that. There's a lot of people in real life, you're like, Why are you so cool in real life? But online you like try and be something that you're not, Mm you know, or vice versa. But then the second thing is that even even the people that are like, yeah, well, I'm not trying to be a an influencer, I'm not trying to be something like that, but they still post on Facebook every day. It's like you don't realize you're still playing the game. It's just you're not. You're not conscious and aware that, regardless of what you share or what you post, you are still sending a message. So you might as well make it in a conscious decision instead of a subconscious one. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I I mean, obviously, it makes total sense. There's a whole lot to unpack there. Um, (laughs)
0: Yeah, sorry, (laughs) I went down a whole rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, but it's I, I I knew that we would have a lot in common. There's um some kind of differences maybe in our methodologies, but, and I guess for instance, like for me personally, I actually don't use social media. Um, I, I'm i a blogger. The I've always been a lot more of like a own your own content kind of mind frame, just because like everything you post on social media, you kind of lose your ownership of it. And you're basically just social platforms are kind of using your content to grow their own brand, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Um, From just more of a strategic standpoint, like I like to have more ownership of my own brand, which is why I basically just use my website as my own and like an email list as my own social media. Right. But, but the messaging behind what you say is, uh, is so clear because it, I'm not going to say it upsets me, but sometimes it alarms me in that people don't put enough intention. You use the word intention a lot behind it and that was what I that was what I kept catching because regardless of how you feel about the internet or how you feel about social media like it's here and this kind of online content is more powerful than than anything ever, really, you know like the flood of information that we have is so powerful, so like the first thing that I always advocate to the people that read my blog to do is to one like acknowledge that that 's a thing, you know saying nothing at all does say something when people are checking you out online, and so then with that, like your body of work your your ideas your your messaging you know your your quote, personal brand, like that's going to exist whether you want it to or not. So you might as well be intentional about what you want your voice to be. Um, you know, so like we can kind of go down the rabbit hole with like different strategies and stuff like that. I just kind of prefer an email list. Uh, I know like the flavor of the day is is definitely social media and and that's all good. But I, I think we're we're really speaking that same language where it's it's going to be out there and people are, are going to search for you even if the only thing that people ever find out about you is when they meet you and then they go to Google your name. You know, like that's going to happen or they meet your company and, and they go online and they Google your company. Like what are they going to find? And they're going to find something. So you might as well be as direct and intentional about what you want people to know about yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So... The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is you are, so far, there's two people that I've met that write more online than I do. There's a guy named James Altucher, uh, yeah. who I read his blog pretty frequently, and he's a big Quora guy, and I, I know that obviously you are as well. And then there's you. Um, you know, I've I come from like a real kind of blue collar family. I've always really been able to pride myself about like my focus and my discipline and I wake up early and and I work hard, you know? And like I'll be the first to admit like you pump out so much written content. It's it's really really incredible. Um like where where do you get the chops for that?
0: 10 years of practice, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly,
0: yeah, I think I think the difference so i'll I'll get into or reveal a bit about just my own process, so for me um, the way that I think about so i I kind of want to take a step back as to what you just said like, sure. there there's a lot of different strategies like should you build an email list, should you build a social media following things like that my my philosophy and the way that I have approached all of this is that um i care about building a brand and the difference to that because because it's very easy to say like a- anyone that does anything in marketing can say that and they honestly don't really even know what they're saying for me what that means is everything that i do is focused toward the goal of of raising my personal profile to a point where more and more doors of opportunity can open themselves. I care more about longevity and and a long story arc for myself rather than how quickly can I build uh, an email list? How many followers can I get? Um, Because what I've learned and I've I've gone deep into the world of digital marketing, you know, like I really I like to teach myself and become familiar with as many of the different tactics as possible so I can understand which ones should be used when, why, how come, how they all work together. Mm. And what I've learned is that if you want to build an email list, there's a very specific strategy for that. Mm-hmm. And you want to be essentially as specific as possible. Like if you want to build a really valuable email list, you don't build an email list being like, you know, I'm, I'm Nicholas Cole. That's just because, because people are like, okay, whatever, you know, you you,
1: want want it to be about something. something. Yeah.
0: You're, you're like, I'm, I'm Nicholas Cole and I'm going to teach you how to write. Okay. Well, there's a lot of different ways to write. What if is a fiction writer and a nonfiction writer, are they both going to find value in that email? I don't know. Okay, so now let me segment that more. I'm Nicholas Cole and I'm gonna teach you how to write nonfiction. Okay, well, what kind of nonfiction? Is it gonna be like sales copy and marketing? Is it gonna be true stories? Is it gonna be journalism? All right, so let's take that a step further. I'm Nicholas Cole, I'm gonna teach you how to write nonfiction sales copy. Okay, now let's segment that even more. Is it sales copy for videos? Is it sales copy for websites and landing pages? Like You can segment your, you can, the specificness that you can get down to for an email list is, is mind boggling for some people. And the truth is the more specific you get, the higher the likelihood that the person that's going to opt in is going to get an extreme amount of value from Mm -hmm. it, which makes your email list more valuable. And then depending on the size of the niche, right? Like maybe sales copy is a, is a medium size market, but life advice is a massive size market. Mm -hmm. So then the size of your email list dictates, well, what's the size of the question that I'm answering for the the potential, you know, group of readers out there. So that's why for, for me, as I've learned all these different things, if I was measuring my success by how quickly can I build an email list, the truth is that I would probably be making decisions that are achieving that specific goal, and not necessarily my larger goal of, well, how do I continue building a, a a brand and a story arc that is going to last over the course of decades? Like that's the the game that I'm I'm playing. I don't really care if I get two hundred fifty thousand people to opt into my email list this month. What I care about is how do I build a story arc where people that find out about me and want to pay attention to what it is that I'm doing are going to be on board for the next 40 years. Cool. That's what I that's the game that I'm playing. So all of my decisions and the lenses that I look through are with that in mind. And because of that, when it comes to my writing process and everything that I do, the truth is pretty much everything that I publish on the internet I consider as practice. I'm not married to it. I don't sit there and refine it. I don't edit it. I don't work on it for days and days. It is purely, it's like, I'm either going to sit here and I'm going to write in a dark room by myself, or I can take what I write that day and I can publish it on the internet, get some social feedback, figure out what's working and what's not in a live environment, move on and do it again the next day. All of my writing online, I consider as practice, brand building, audience building, and and that's pretty much it. The work that I personally like, truly, truly care about, are our books. You know, I. That's I. Those are the the projects and the things that I invest sure. a lot of time and effort. In. Like those are works of art for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in the I'm not in the business. I don't. I'm not competing with like the Seth Godins of the world. I don't care about doing that. What I care about is building a legacy of, of books and and stories and even ways of thinking that are beyond the hey i'm trying to get your attention in 2019. If i if if i write something i want it to be both timely and timeless, not just timely. And so because of that that's the stuff that i refine that's that's the material that i really think hard about. So the reason why i think i'm able to publish so much online is because i treat it as practice. It's not I think a lot of other people walk into it with this like sense of anxiety, like, oh, I'm about to publish something onto the web and people are going to judge me for it forever. It's like, yeah. But well, trust me, if you spent if you spent two weeks refining a blog post, I guarantee you two years from now, you'd still look back on that same one and go, Ah, that's not as good as it could have been.
1: You'd Isn't still that so that. funny how that works. Right? Yeah. Cause uh I've I've been a mostly with SEO specifically, like I've gotten really, really good at writing in a specific way for online search traffic. Um, And I consider that thing to be my art. You know, that's the thing that like, there's a real science and a real craft behind it. And there's like a real measurable, tangible result that I'm going for with that. But for my blog, like... The more you think about it, the harder it becomes because then the more you're trying to think about what the perfect thing to say is. And so I've really just come up with this mantra and uh, I talk about it a lot with like other bloggers that might be asking me for advice or even podcasters It's like, hey, how do I go about making an audience? And the thing I tell them, is was like, look, just hit publish, hit it even before you think it's done, hit it if like you're scared that people are going to judge you for it. No matter what, your only job is just to hit publish and then you move on to the next thing. And I never actually heard it refined that way where everything I put online, I consider practice. Like, even when you said that, I kind of felt this like relief because it takes all the pressure off. You know, there's, there's, there's no uh, expectation on what it, you know, quote, needs to be other than it's just you expressing yourself at that particular moment at that particular day. I really love that. Like honestly, I don't I talk to a lot of people and I I appreciate everybody's advice, but it's it's few and far between that people say things that like really, really resonate with me in that way. And I, I, I fucking love that, man. That was great.
0: Well I appreciate it. And too, I think where that comes from that you know, that's such a a lesson that I've learned. I don't know when I learned it, but I did is you speak differently about things that you you don't know in theory, you know, because you've sweated, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's kind of my whole, that is my whole message. That is, that is everything that I am as a writer. I'm, I'm not, I don't share things that I think sound good. I don't, I don't share things that work in theory. I share things by saying, Hey, I wrote 3000 articles. This is what I learned. You know, and I, and I think that difference is what, that's what resonates. Like I, I, you know, everyone's got their own hustle, you know, I, whatever, it's cool. But I just have a, I have an issue with, you know, the, the writers or the, or the people that sell courses on the things that they haven't done themselves. Oh my God. People that are like, let me teach you how to build an audience as a writer. And they have 400 followers.
1: You just sparked this rage inside of me that kills me where it's people building businesses and selling courses to teach you how to build a business that they've never actually fucking built. Like their business is the business of selling courses of, oh man, it kills
0: me. and, And to clarify, I don't have, I don't, the people that make great courses teaching the things that they've lived and learned themselves, props to them. It's a great way to monetize. But I just, I'm such a big believer in, if and you're going to teach something, first. Yeah, walk the walk, do yes. it first, prove that you can do it. Otherwise you're not going to teach me, you're not going to teach me anything new and you're certainly not going to teach the next person anything new. And if I, you do I, teach them anything I, new, it's not the thing that
1: actually works. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's great, man. Um, I mean, geez, uh, th- there's just, so much to unpack there, and I, I'm really just going to kind of leave it at that and, and let the audience um, dissect what they will from from that wisdom. One kind of last final thing that I want to touch on because it's something that pops up over and over again in uh, the people that I've spoken to in this podcast and that like I, I kind of come to admire um, is just adding fitness into their life. I've been a real fitness advocate I say. Most of the time people's problem is that they're not healthy. And that has a lot to do with entrepreneurship and like happiness. And I'm I'm not really looking to go down that rabbit hole too much, but um like I've I've found so many times that the the biggest thing getting in, in people's way for like their dreams and their aspirations is like getting control of their health first. And over and over again on this podcast, people have always brought up the successful people that I talk to, it seems like the most common theme is that they're either runners or they're either like swimmers or CrossFitters or bodybuilders or endurance athletes or nutritionists or whatever. Touch on how much bodybuilding has played a role for you in your writing. And and more importantly, the thing that I'm looking to touch on is like your mental, you know, like how much does, does bodybuilding play a role in your sanity basically?
0: So for for context, I would definitely not call myself a bodybuilder anymore. Mm -hmm. Um about two years ago I I herniated a disc in my back and I was, I mean, that was I can confidently say I was at the peak of my of my physique. I mean, that Mm -hmm. was six years of just training in a way that you know, I played sports all growing up, I played hockey all growing up, and I the way that I trained during those six years, and like, especially near the end, was unlike anything that I'd ever put myself through. And I, Mm. I really, really loved it. I loved the process. It taught me so much. And then it was a very weird timing of everything. It was actually the day of my birthday, I I had just turned 26. Yeah. And the day of my birthday, I went to the gym. (laughs) and <laughs> my mentor actually he he invited me out he was like it's your birthday i'll treat you, treat you to a steak dinner and i was and i that's how disciplined i was i was like nope i'm going to the gym and he's like dude it's your birthday like let me take you out for a steak dinner and i just i wouldn't do it and I, I wanted to train and sure enough i went to the gym that night and this disc like popped in my upper back and i it was like it was done like 6 years everything just done right there and i was on you know painkillers and ice and everything for weeks probably like two months maybe and just the healing process and it messed up all the muscles in my back and i couldn't get back to the gym and i was in and out of physical therapy and like all of these it just it it ruined my body and in a lot of ways i'm still recovering from it and i'm still trying to fix a lot of the things that it disrupted but all of that aside um I was just thinking about this last night actually as I've been you know slowly trying to get back into the gym and like doing more yoga and things like that and yeah. I, I was leaving the gym last night and I was thinking about it and I, and how much entrepreneurship but not even just not even just founders I would say anyone that is trying to do anything that is high achieving whether it's you're trying to you know climb up the ranks in your career, you're trying to get a promotion at whatever company you work at, you're independent, you're trying to, you know, just, you know, provide for yourself better as a freelancer, you're trying to start your own company. Uh-huh. Doesn't matter. That mentality and the demands that that puts on you, I can I can confidently say I remember at the time I was like there is nothing in the world harder than bodybuilding. Like that was just it was there were some rough rough times um, that you have to push yourself through. And, and yet entrepreneurship dwarfed it for me. Like nothing is as mentally taxing as entrepreneurship. And I was thinking about that last night and how much I think the two do go together for so many people, because it is a way of, if nothing else, even if, you know, running or lifting or, yoga or anything, even though there's an element of it that can be kind of mentally taxing because of the focus Mm -hmm. is it's the ability to get back in your body. And I mean, as a metaphor, like I remember, you know, we used to joke, uh, in, you know, my world of Warcraft days where there was this thing called the honor grind. I don't know if you've, uh, you've ever heard of it. Mm -mm. Um, and it was basically like this system that blizzard entertainment created within world of Warcraft, where it was it was this sliding algorithm of points and if you achieved enough honor points for the week you went up in rank and if you didn't achieve enough points you went down in rank and the whole idea was you go from rank 1 to rank 14 with each of the ranks getting harder and harder as you climb
1: mm-hmm. and
0: At the top ranks, you got like epic gear and everything. And these, and people on the forums, they used to post before and after pictures where it would be like month, like month one, day one, and they'd be like happy. And they're like, I'm going to go, you know, start down the honor grind path. And then they would put an after picture six months later, and they would have like either lost or put on a bunch of weight, like be unshaven, have dark circles under their eyes, like look like they haven't been outside for six months. Like it was rough. And it wore on you. Like if you wanted to achieve the honor grind and hit rank 14, like be prepared to mutilate your body just by the sheer number of hours that you were sitting in front of your computer. And there was definitely a moment this, I would say the first 12 months of us starting our, uh, starting our business where I remember I was literally sitting at my desk for, I, I mean, easily 13, 14 hours a day like without hesitation, 7 a.m. to, you know, maybe break for dinner or like walk outside to get lunch or something and then work until, you know, 11 p.m. or so, sleep for, you know, six, seven hours if that, wake mm-hmm. up, do it all over again. And at a certain point, I remember thinking back on that experience and I was like, wow, I am I am putting myself through the real-life version of the honor grind right now. Mm-hmm. And it just it wrecks you. I mean, people, people talk about that all the time, that, that first year of building a company for context too. Like we, we went from me and my co-founder to um, at our peak, we had, we had hired 20 full-time people um, basically in the span of 12 months. I mean, that's, that's, that's onboarding two or three new people every month, like month after month, after month, after, you know what I mean? Like that, that was rough, and that—that's a lot of growth to handle very, very quickly, you know. And it—it it is, man. There's that element of fitness where the whole point of it, whether or not you want to compete in something or you want to, you know, do an Ironman or whatever the goal is for you, regardless, the whole benefit is if you're going to be a higher high achiever at anything chances are you're going to spend a lot of time doing whatever it is that thing is Mm -hmm. and unless that thing is a physical thing you're probably going to be sitting in your chair in front of a computer a lot and so the whole point is get out get back in your body move around get some endorphins going and yeah all of those all of those years spent bodybuilding they i think they helped (laughs) they helped prepare me and kind of kind of set the tone for consistency, routine, good habits, taking care of yourself. I've always eaten really healthfully. You know, it just, it, it, it helped me gain a lot of those soft skills so that by the time I got into the next most demanding thing, no, I wasn't able to go to the gym as often. Yeah, I was dealing with an injury and things like that. But a lot of the habits and routines, I tried really hard to keep the same, what I was eating, you know, how to take care of myself.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think a lot of it, like you said, th- the hardest part about being fit is working out for the first 60 days, you know, and then you do it and then it's just part of your routine. And uh, with with my work, I, I find that to be the case as well. If I'm, I don't know, building up a new brand or, or starting something new, it's always the first kind of pushing yourself through the soreness that, uh, that that's the toughest. So I, I think you're totally right there. Um, well, look, man, this was like a really really great conversation. I, I truly truly appreciate your time. Uh, before we sign off, admittedly, I was just so into your story that we didn't get enough time to to really talk about your company and about Digital Press. So before we sign off, like, please feel free to to tell everybody what it is that you do, what your company does, because I know that you guys kind of approach this agency model. Um, from a, a really specific angle, especially with with kind of using the written word, so I, I almost want to hear uh, I, I want to hear how you would describe your company and why people should reach out to you.
0: Yeah, in the simplest way, it is it is the same recipe that I use for myself that we work that we do basically alongside and with um, founders, C level executives, speakers, authors, um, really those those people in their industry where they've done something that is really worth talking about uh, people that have been mastering their craft for years and years, and they have a level of insight that is worth sharing. Those are the people that I love learning from. They're the ones that I want to be in the same room as. So um, it's been pretty cool, man, like building this first company, you know, I'm still fairly young in this world. I'm 28 and every day, I'm talking to some different CEO or some different founder building something that's really interesting and getting to Love talk me. to them directly. You know, it's like you get paid to learn. It's so it's so cool for me and and for the rest of our team. So um, yeah, really, our whole approach is it's based on phone calls. We talk with them, we interview them, we we ask them questions where it just allows them to share what they know, and then we record those calls and we turn them into a really high performing, well written. Uh, piece of content online and that is in many ways it's the same way that I treat my own writing except I'm asking those <laughs> those same questions to myself when I sit mm-hmm. down to write and then I've you know if anyone's read my work I have really this this fast paced style for I know how to hook readers in very quickly I know how to take really big concepts and make them very d- digestible and easy to easy to just get through quickly so th- a lot of those lessons that I've learned just having written so much on the internet and learning what it is that people actually want to read. um, That's my job. And that's our job is we go to, you know, the smartest people in every industry and we say, what do you want to share? And then we help them package what it is that they want to share in a way that people actually want to pay attention to.
1: I love it, man. Um, And I I did notice that about your writing, actually, I've, I, I had to work really hard to, get better at that kind of online writing style with you know just a lot of headers a lot of short sentences kind of real rapid fire so that people get through it and you're you're really really good at that it's it's clear that um you know not only it's clear that one of the good metrics that you can probably hang your hat on from looking at your writing style is i bet you have a really high percentage of people that read your entire article all the way through, which for a blogger is like a really, really difficult thing to do. So yep. um, so that's dope, man. Look, thanks again for coming on my show. Congratulations to you and all your success. I'm really looking forward to continue uh, reading uh, what you put out there. I'm going to put your website, Nicholas Cole, and, um, and your company website in the show notes of, of this article. And just once again, man, thank you so much for your time.
0: Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, man.
1: No problem. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, If you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is give us a like, leave us a rating, and most importantly, tell a friend. There's no ads on this show. I just really, really appreciate if anybody uh, gets some value from our podcast and and you could tell somebody about it. So Cole, thanks again one more time. I'll talk to you later. Peace out. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.